Good evening. Gentle listeners. And welcome. To. You'd think we had like something set up here. We didn't. We never do. Um, Welcome to Hot Drinks. Yeah. I'm Brother Jack Coffey. I'm Sister Latter-day Twaint. Um, and we're we're coming back at you, coming in hot with a hot episode. We are. Um, the other day I was talking to someone about podcasting and they were like, yeah, I mean, I tried it, but like, oh, just all the editing and like, it was just so complicated. And I was like, oh, we literally just recorded it, published. <laughs> There's no, if you think after this that I'm staying up till <laughs> two in the morning, like cutting, no. adding some background music, <laughs> I'm not. I cannot be bothered with that no, shit. No, I hit publish. No, and I go to bed, and you, Sister Twain goes home. You're gonna get. You're gonna get us raw. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think I might already be drunk. Really, you've had like one and a half sips. I know, but I'm. I had some meds that you're not supposed oh, to good. take with. Is it the Mexican diet pills? No. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, that's. I mean. No. Okay. Um. By the way, when you said you're going to get us raw, the other day someone pointed it out to me that gay people oh. talk about sex without a condom as barebacking, <clears throat> and okay. straight people talk about it as raw dogging. Oh. And I think our term's better. It's way better. Barebacking. Raw dogging sounds kind of gross. It sounds like you're eating a cold hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> you kids want a raw dog? <laughs> oh, well, we raw dogging again for dinner, mama. <laughs> Shit. Anywho, <laughs> speaking of raw dogging, oh. today's episode, oh. <laughs> you're like, oh, oh, did you think I had an exciting story to tell? I, did, I yeah. do not. I did not have straight uh, condomless sex this week. <laughs> um, speaking of raw dogging, my cat is really going at her tail right now. Yeah, it's so she hot. is cleaning it off. Yeah. Anyway. She's so cute. Uh, that cat likes to watch me when I'm in the bathtub and she sits on the edge of the bathtub and then just sticks her tail in the water. Oh my God. It's so weird. Are you serious? Yeah. And I, and sometimes I'll kind of flick water on her to be like, are you aware that you're in water? And she's just like, meh. She just doesn't really care. (laughs) And then eventually she'll hop down and lay on the bathroom floor and kind of like lick the water off and kind of clean up. But she does not care that her tail is dipped in the bathtub. She knows she's we're talking really about cute her. right now because she know. really is cleaning the tip of her tail. I'm so glad we're having this segment that our viewers. I know. Our I viewers, hope you guys enjoy that. I just anyway, anyway. Well, if they, if only they were. By the way, I want to mention that a, a dear, close friend. Oh, thank you. An old friend, and now gentle listener. Gentle listener. <laughs> said she loves it how I keep saying our real names, but right. everyone else's fake name is Gary. Right. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. We did get a lovely email from this dear gentle listener, yes. who we will not name because we will let her remain anonymous. Right. Maybe she wants to. Um, but it was a very, very nice email about how much she enjoyed the podcast, and we yes. really appreciated that. It was awesome. Because even though the statistics say that, like, a certain number of people have listened to the episode. You don't really know who those people are. Mm-mm. You don't really think real oh. people are listening. Oh, okay. So I auditioned for a play last week and found out that the director has listened to our podcast. Wait a minute. <laughs> you didn't tell me that part. <laughs> I was like, how? And he's like, maybe you posted it. And I was like, if I did, I was drunk and deleted it in the morning. You have posted it many times. <laughs> you really have. So, gentle listener. Anyway. Anyway, so what what are we talking about tonight, Sister Twain? We're going to talk about, we're each got our list of five again, of five ways that Mormonism shaped our sexuality. Woohoo. Yeah. How it informed it, past, present, future, Mormon, ex-Mormon. I think that it's safe to say that Everything that we are, you and I, mm-hmm. has been informed by Mormonism. For real. For I mean, real. Uh, and it doesn't matter how long we've been gone from it. Right. Because our whole foundation, and it was a firm it was a, one. <laughs> was, it was, was a firm one. I was right there with you. <laughs> uh, was that. And it's... Uh, it, is insidious a good word to describe? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know what I love? Mm. Talking about my sex life. 
Oh my god. So so this is going to go well. When I leave here tonight, I am going to um like text you every hour on the hour just to make sure you're okay. Okay, that's a good idea because <laughs> I'm terrified. Yes. But good. anyway, let's good. jump right in. Okay. Let's I was going to try to make a sexual innuendo there, but let's take a little break first. Oh. And then let's jump right in. An interlude. An interlude There's if you a, will. You could innuendo with interlude. Uh, how? Maybe we have a sexual interlude. Oh, okay. We're going to have a sexual interlude. <laughs> and we're back. All right. So since it's kind of a general topic, um, the five things that I chose, I can't speak for you because it's always a surprise. We never right. tell each no, other. No, we don't. Um, but um, my five things are somewhat general things in themselves okay not like one off not like a certain position you love because of mormonism (laughs) right or some specific thing that i was told by the way did you think missionary position was in reference to lds missionaries um no okay i think i did for a time Mm. i don't know why there would be a sex position named after lds missionaries (laughs) but it is named after christian missionaries so probably because when they raped people when they no. were doing the crusades well, no it's name well anyway I, <laughs> what i've read is that it's named that because when when the colonization of christianity was happening around the world it was believed that that was the only like like um like correct way to have sex oh so that's why it was called the correct missionary. like scientifically well not or? no not sci- like the only proper way that's oh, the word i'm looking for oh, like everything it was seen else as was everything else was devious dirty. and dirty oh. yeah and that was seen as the proper so oh, daddy. anyway so what's the first way that mormonism informed your sexuality sister twain well first of all jack Offy. <laughs> I married a gay man. Well, cheers. <laughs> cheers to that. So let's break that down. <laughs> let's uh, break that down. <laughs> boy. Uh, can we delete that later? The fact that I just said boy. Yes. When I go to the editing the edi- later. <laughs> when you're in the, it's your editing two in the morning lab. And I have my big headphones on and I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> and so smoking I can get cigarettes. Through. Just chain smoking cigarettes. And then will... I'm at home just rubbing one out. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll so... be like, where is that boy? Okay. <laughs> snip, snip. Okay. The, the episode is ready now. Publish. <laughs> so, okay. So, oh, I can. Um, we, when I say I married a gay man, which is true, um, you could also say I entered a mixed orientation marriage. Sure. Oh, dang it. What? I said sure again. Oh, it's, it's all right. It's fine. As long as you don't say your real name again. I've literally never said that. <laughs> I know, it's name. always me. Um, but, okay, so I entered into a mixed orientation marriage. I married... A man who had the plumbing that I wanted, but he but didn't want like. mine. Oh, no, I blocked it out. I blocked it out. And he knows that, and so does his fiance. Um, uh, not that they needed to know that. I told them that just because I thought it was funny. Um, it is pretty funny. Yeah, it is. Um, I've seen so many dicks since then, so, wow. yeah. It's anyway. <laughs> um, so... Like, why would I do that? Why would I think it was okay to marry someone who was a homosexual and I am a heterosexual, right? Uh, And, you know, I just want to throw in the little side note that I get that it's 2019 and now we're talking about all kinds of different sexualities and sexual fluidity, um, which is something I claim for myself. Um, I'm not bisexual because I can only really fall in love with a man, but I'll have sex with whatever, whoever, human. Um, Human. (laughs) So I obviously had no understanding of my own sexuality. For sure. Much less homosexuality. Because you just thought that could work. Oh, yeah. Like, you just thought, well, this marriage will be fine. You put the D in the V. And everyone wins. And ta-da! ta-da. Yeah. I also, I and had... Jesus is happy. I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea that women don't orgasm nearly as easily as men. Um, and that just is scratching the surface, but that was the 
biggest revelation of my wedding night oh. <laughs> was like, and my whole honeymoon. I don't even know if I had an orgasm on my honeymoon. I, I, anyway. Um, <laughs> so throw on top of that that of course you're going to think that entering a mixed orientation marriage isn't a big deal if you've never had sex. Right, right, right. If you're right, a virgin, right, right. you have no fucking idea what sex is. Right. And... So you have no concept of, like, what a major part it needs to play in your relationship. Right. It's so important. I know. I... Well, never mind. I won't go down that road. But, um, yeah, I think we dismiss how important... I think Mormonism very easily allows you to dismiss how important sexual compatibility is. Right. Because even if even if you had married a straight man, there's a really good chance that you wouldn't have been sexually compatible. Totally. You know, different sex drives or different interests or whatever. And and, and I'm going to get into more of that in my number two. Point. Oh, good. Okay. But yeah. So my number one, I'm I'm really trying to not make this whole episode about my sexual trauma <laughs> because. I don't have a great relationship with sex, so I'm going to try to make it – I'm keep trying to keep it on as upbeat as possible. But the number one way that Mormonism informed my sexuality is that I don't view sex as pleasurable. I think it's scary. <laughs> so – Okay, explain how Mormonism plays into that. So – because I also <clears throat> was in a mixed orientation marriage. Mm-hmm. And so obviously um, – I well, let me. I'll I'll finish that and then I'll kind of clarify that statement okay. I made at the beginning. Okay. Um, I was also in a mixed orientation marriage, and so our sex life was always um, very emotionally charged and very stressful because you know I was gay, she was straight, so our sex drives didn't match up. Sometimes we would try to have sex and it wouldn't work or sometimes it wouldn't, you know, like someone would be upset or, you know, whatever. There were just a lot of – there. Were, it was very rarely just sort of seamless and easy and fun. It was right. always very thought out and I was always having to – I was always in my head about like the mechanics of it and <laughs> it was – so it just was – it was always a very stressful, uncomfortable experience. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm obviously no longer in that marriage – and I have had sex since then that has not been stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had sex with men that's been fun or enjoyable or whatever. My default reaction to the idea of sex is still stress and fear and terror and not like, oh, that could be fun. Right. So <clears throat> so when I say, yeah, so I want to quali- qualify, clarify. Uh-huh. When I say I don't, I am not like anti-sex. I think sex is great. But just my default response to it is, well, that seems terrifying. So... I was talking to uh, a close friend last night about trauma, not involving sex, but trauma in general. Like until we process trauma out, it lives in our body yeah, and it can be triggered and not even by something that even close to mirrors related to what the caused yeah. the trauma. Yeah. yeah. And then our life coaches that we've mentioned before, Tiff and Jack, who we saw once upon a time. It's not yeah. like we're constantly going to life coaches because we're not rich. I wish. I, I wish I was constantly going to Tiff <laughs> yeah. and Jack. I just don't have um, the money for it right now. But uh, uh, Tiff explained it as, you know, trauma or not, an emotional response to something, our body actually has a chemical dump. It's like a physiological thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. I have some trauma to yeah. process through. Yeah. I just and, keep thinking it'll go away on its own and it doesn't. No. I need the help of a therapist. Weird. Um, Weird. So, <laughs> so when you say, I just, I, I'm sure we all understand what you meant, but when you say it was emotionally charged... You mean in a negative way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not like connected. No, no, no. It was always... <clears throat> so let me... I'll just describe it very briefly. But basically, like, every night of my marriage for 11 years, Oof. at about 5 p.m., I would start to get stressed out oh, because God. I would be worried that we were going to have... That, we, that my ex-wife might want to have sex. And then I would be worried that if we did have sex, would it would it work? Would all the body parts function correctly? Oh, Could I get a boner? That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm dancing around. Oh. But then I remembered we had an explicit rating, so <laughs> so I would be worried about that. Yeah. And so and then if we did, 
um, if we did start to get physical or like, you know, cuddle or make out or whatever, I was immediately in my head just thinking through the mechanics of like, okay, am I doing this right? Okay, am I going to be able to get hard? Is this, um, you know, like, am I going to stay hard long enough that the P can go in the V? (laughs) Like all of that. Yeah. Oh, I sure hope my ex-wife's listening to this because I'm sure she loves it. Like so that hell. was that was every night for 11 years, uh-huh. basically, yeah. and and that was my trauma. And I obviously don't want to speak to her trauma yeah, because yeah. because I don't because that's not my place. But like obviously, if that's what's going on in <clears> my <throat> head, there was there was equal amounts of trauma and damage going on in her head about sure. about why this was so emotional and so intellectual and it was never like physical or passionate or it was always I mean for me it was always this very like measured intellectual exercise Uh of like how do I get through this alive basically wow so you know so we did that for 11 years cute (laughs) and then and then we got divorced and then weird I still am traumatized by (laughs) sex so anyway let's move on to segment two let's do we'll be right back And we're back. Hey. This is some heavy shit. <laughs> what did you say on the break, Sister Twain? we are not talking about Halo, Halo Top today. We are not. Are you having a hard time saying Halo Top because you're tipsy? Yes. <laughs> Halo Top. <laughs> Halo Top. You guys, it's just frozen Cool Whip. It's not real ice cream. <laughs> anyway, what's the second way that your Mormonism informed your sexuality? Um, uh, I, I'm going to be real... Uh, forthcoming with my verbiage here. You said coming. Oh, like like semen. Um, well, girls come too, and they don't have semen anyway. God, I'm I'm really tipsy. Okay. So when you're in any cult, okay. <laughs> uh, you can probably bet on the fact. That they're going to try to control your sexuality, your yes. sex life. Yes. And here's why. And this is what is written next to number two on my list. Uh, pleasure. When you... there, I, I, I really think that, that cult leaders, religious leaders, worry about you getting pleasure from anything that doesn't have to do with the religion in some way um so to be more specific pleasure was a bad word like i remember hearing the word pleasure yeah um pleasure is for sure affiliated with like being wicked uh uh-huh like you never talked about the gospel being pleasurable Uh uh-huh you know it was a pleasure always indicated Getting drunk and you know and seek and eating too much and, right. and having sex and, and there's that scripture in the Book of Mormon that says that the natural man is an enemy to God right. and it's just a natural thing to have sexual pleasure right um, and so I didn't uh, again uh, another reason why I entered into a mixed orientation marriage is because you don't understand that sex is meant. For your pleasure, it's okay to feel those feelings and sensations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and you start to realize that I started to realize that in my marriage, as I started to deteriorate, and I didn't have any more coping mechanisms left. There are women who are married, or I'll say, straight spouses who are married to homosexual spouses their whole life, and somehow they cope. Right. Without having that pleasure component. Um, but I, you weren't making it anymore. Mm-mm. It was falling apart. Right. So, um, and now that I understand that sex is, it's okay to have sex for pleasure. <laughs> my thinking has even flipped to the point where, like, sex, the primary purpose of sex is pleasure. And procreation is maybe something to think about. Well, for sure. Because if you think of all the times that people in the history of the earth have had sex, Uh and then all of the times that 
a baby was made because of that sex. Yeah. It is a tiny, tiny fraction. <laughs> even if, even like in your own life, like you procreated four times, uh-huh. but you've had sex way more than that. Way, 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 way more. <laughs> even but, with your mixed orientation marriage husband. Right. So the the idea that sex is is primarily for procreation, even though that is the like one of the smallest fractions of the tiniest parts of like what sex is used for is uh-huh. crazy. Yeah. But it is definitely something that they try to program into you. Right, right. Right. And that it's sacred. And you don't want to mix anything that's sacred with, with things that some, are dirty. That's something that feels sexually pleasurable because then you start to really think of like culty shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the pleasure component, like... Uh, just I've gotten to a place where I don't feel like pleasure is a bad word anymore. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, mine is somewhat related. I mean, I guess they're all somewhat related because we're talking about sex. Yeah. But my the second way that, well, I'll just start by saying this. I think porn is awesome. I love yeah. porn. <laughs> and even saying that out loud feels very terrifying to me. <laughs> and 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 I will also qualify that by saying... If you don't like porn, that's okay. If you think, you know, there are problems with porn, that's okay too. Like Uh that's a conversation that can be had. But I think the vast majority of people who make and produce porn do it because they like it Uh and they make a lot of money and they have a lot of fun doing it. And that porn is fun and awesome to watch, whether by yourself or with a buddy. (laughs) So, and, and obviously like, I mean, I don't need to get into a lot of depth about how porn is treated in the LDS religion, that it's an addiction, that it will ruin your life and it ruins your ability to feel love and just all of these things. Porn kills love, you know, that whole slogan. Oh yeah. Um, I know a girl that has a t-shirt that says Provo kills love, which I think is actually (laughs) (laughs) more appropriate. Oh my God. But anyway, but yeah, that, that you're taught from a very young age that porn is this, this wicked insidious, thing that will destroy your life and i just think it's actually not like if you don't if you're not into it like that's fine yeah but it's actually like kind of fun and really great and a lot of people like it and most of the people who make it make a lot of money and are really happy doing it and you know (laughs) right so yeah yeah porn is awesome um i remember in my first real relationship since my divorce which was two years after the divorce so two years I've been divorced and I have a boyfriend and he wanted to try to watch porn together and I was way too sheepish about it. Even though we were having sex and we were having amazing sex and lots and lots of it. Um, but I was way too sheepish to do it as a, as a joint activity. And then the next guy I kind of dated. I never watched porn with him. Um... So, and I'm trying to think if I've ever watched, really, if I've ever watched porn. So porn's more of a solo activity for you. Or do you not watch a lot of porn? I go through phases. Okay. But it's never regular. Okay. It's never something I regularly do. I literally watch it multiple times a day. <laughs> um, which is fine. Right. I, I've deemed that it is fine. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so we love porn yeah. is the message. Porn's fun. We'll be right back. And we're back. Hey. With this light and fun episode. Numero trois. That's French. Is numero French? Mm-hmm. Okay. Numero trois. Okay. Yeah. Um, la la, so rien. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, Number three. Number three, that your sexuality was shaped yeah. by your faith, <clears throat> your previous faith. That self-exploration is bad and dirty. And I don't know if anyone ever said that to me, but whenever I just wanted to get to know my body, not to touch it for pleasure, but to just get to know my body. Just to see your body. Right. Yeah. To understand it, what's going on down there, you know, uh, that it, it, it didn't, that it didn't behoove me to know. Right. Uh-huh. Um, 
And so, you know, as a teenager and adolescent, I think I rarely, actually, rarely touched myself. Like masturbated? Or just touched like, yourself? Right. Yeah. I'm getting really uncomfortable here. <laughs> Why? <laughs> just teasing. Uh, I've yeah. literally never known you to be uncomfortable. Like touched my naked vagina with my fingers. Okay. And I think I was way into my adult years when I like actually like put my fingers inside of my vagina. Okay. Yeah. Here we here we are. Here we talking are talking about your fingers in your <laughs> vagina. Um, and then, do you remember that movie, Fried Green Tomatoes? I do. Do you know why I bring it up? I do not. Oh, okay. Because they have the scene with Kathy Bates where um, she's in some women's group. Oh, yes. And I they forgot all have about mirrors this part. And they look at their vaginas. And I remember thinking, that's absolutely disgusting. I was a teenager, definitely in high school when that movie right. came out. Um, it's absolutely disgusting. And, uh, you know, and I, I left it at that. And then, of course, because of that movie, I wanted to look at my vagina in the mirror. And I don't know if it was right after or much later, but when I did, I just remember feeling like I was looking at something that I shouldn't be looking at. And it was it's my so, body. It's so, like, I can, I can completely understand what you're saying, but it's so bonkers. It's fucked up. That that and and I don't think that Mormonism has an ex- exclusivity to that. Like I sure. think that is just part of sort of like Christianity and religion in general. Yeah. But that is bonkers. Yeah. That you that it, that it was somehow wrong for you to look at a part of your body, my own body, and which which brings me to like a a something that you can deduce from my number three, which is that. When you're in a cult, I love saying that when I'm talking about Mormonism. When you're in a cult, you don't have complete autonomy over your body. Yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. So that, so I'm now changing my number three. I had a different one that I was going to talk about, but this one kind of relates to it. Okay. So, so when you're a Mormon, you're a Mormon all the way from your first cigarette to your last nine go. Just kidding. <laughs> when you're a Mormon... You wear something that we call the LDS Mormon garment. Yeah, or temple garment. The temple some garment. Bo- some people call it temple garments. Right? Which is basically like <clears throat> long white underwear. It's just that underwear. You, that you wear all the time. Covers you up. Um, and I always thought like, oh, it's not that bad for guys because it's similar to like what regular men's underwear is. Because you just wear like a plain t-shirt and then you wear white. They're like white boxer briefs. They're just longer than like, like regular. white middles. Yes, they're like white middles, <laughs> if you remember our episodes about shorts and middles. But when I stopped wearing my garments, when I left the church and stopped wearing garments and just started wearing regular underwear, I was so freaked out by <clears throat> how aware of my own body I was. Because there's something about wearing the garment mm-hmm. that just blocks your body, like blocks any part of your body that is sensitive. So like you know, your genitalia, your nipples, like whatever. Yeah. Like none of that touches anything throughout uh-huh. the day. Uh-huh. Or even just like, like I remember when the first few times, because I think when I first stopped wearing it, I would still a lot of times wear a t-shirt under my clothes or wear like a tank top under my clothes or something. But like once I stopped doing that, like just the fact that like I could lift my arms and like my stomach would be exposed to like the air or yeah. to like the sunlight or whatever was like, I don't know if it was terrifying for me or sort of liberating, but I just remember just being so hyper aware of my body all the time. Hyper aware of like the way that the wind in the air felt on my body or the way that I, you know, I would bend over and like part of my back would be exposed or whatever. Uh Because when you're wearing a garment, there's this shield, like everything is like, you know, kind of tucked in together and like you, like none of your skin is ever exposed other than just your arms or, you know, whatever. And like, and it was so it like i remember at the time i kind of liked it like it was sort of it felt very freeing and very liberating but i just was so unaware of how disconnected from my my own body i was mm-hmm. not in exactly the same way that you were saying like looking at it but just even like how my body interacted with the world with like you know a breeze blowing yeah. and kind of feeling it through my t-shirt or uh-huh. whatever like i didn't ever have that experience before and it was this weird sensation of like oh 
this is my body. <laughs> like, and I, here I am like 37 <laughs> years old at the time, kind of re, like noticing and feeling and like having a connection with my body for like the first time. And I'm 37. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I do not miss garments at all. Oh my God. Do you? <laughs> no. And I was uh, with someone the other day and I ac- accidentally caught a glimpse of theirs. Cause you know, that happens. Yeah. They bend over and you see the waistband or right whatever. or their shoulder or whatever. Um, the joke is people will say your religion is showing, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it just makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, agreed, <laughs> agreed. Yeah. All right, so that's it. Yeah. Let's take a break. All right. When you're a Mormon, Mormon you're, you're a Mormon, Mormon all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day. And we're back. It wouldn't be a cigarette, though. It would be... I know. From your first 44-ounce cola with syrup in it <laughs> to your last... Or your cup of cocoa. From your first cup of cocoa. Did you know that when the Mormon na- Nabernacle... When the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, which is now called the... What is it called It's now? called the Choir at Temple Square. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Because now... Because Satan laughs when you say Mormon. Yeah. Which is why I will literally never not say Mormon. Say Mormon, but... um, Because I just want to stick it to the Mormons that really care. (laughs) You can hear the Mormon Tabernacle Choir singing... um, uh, when they pass around the, what song is that? And the oh, pumpkin pie. Oh, the coffee and the pie. pumpkin pie, yeah. da 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 career and dives. Yeah. That one. You can hear them singing that in Mr. Kruger's Christmas. Uh-huh. And they change it to, when they pass around the cocoa and the pumpkin pie, because coffee. Is a sin. Is full of evil spirits. It's like Satan's cum. It is. It's like he ejaculates like into your hot, cup. His hot brown cum. It's delicious. It's so delicious. <laughs> but also now I'm kind of worried that he has brown cum. Oh like my you should God. see a doctor yeah, about that. Yeah, you ruined cum for me forever. Did I? Just kidding. I ruined coffee for myself forever. Just you know, the other day I had my coffee with oat milk. And, and it was kind of good. Okay, good. Good to Have know. you had oat milk before? I haven't. It's real tasty. I'm, Here's what I found. I liked it better in a. I liked it better in my cold brew than I did in my hot coffee. Okay. Um, my hot coffee is still half and half. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But I liked it in my cold brew. It's tasty. I should definitely try it. Yeah, it was real good. I imagine it's better for the environment if we were drinking. Oh yeah. Oat milk rather than almond milk as much as we are, because it takes so much water to grow almonds. Which yes. brings me to my no-, no. I'm just kidding. I was like, oh wow. <laughs> it does not bring me to my number four. But my number. What is four your number four? Is the, and maybe this word works again. The insidious. Bullshit surrounding modesty. Oh, Jesus H. Okay. And so we don't understand how deeply fucked up it is in regards to our sexuality when we're growing up in the Mormon church and they're talking about modesty. Right. Um, I certainly did not anyway. No. But... Um, I mean, there are so many things I could talk about here, like how um, the Mormon apostles have said that it is a girl's responsibility to be modest and cover up her body because young men are tempted so easily, which is just some fucked up shit. Yeah. Um, And then the biggest thing that stands out in my mind every single time I think about modesty it's a flashback to my days as a married Mormon mom mm-hmm. when my kids were young. Mm-hmm. And remember, right now they're ages 14 to 20. So we're probably talking from the time my oldest was going to preschool, maybe kindergarten. I was concerned about modesty. Yes. My for like a six-year-old. Yeah, for my daughter. I didn't want her shoulders showing. Da, da, da. And like, I remember one of my sisters-in-law gave me some hand-me-downs from one of her girls who is just a couple years older than my oldest. And I remember thinking in my high and fucking mighty Mormon mom brain, they're just all hoochie clothes. Right. 
Oh my god! Because a six-year-old is capable of being, of being a, a hoochie. Awful, 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 awful. It sexualizes the 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 whole modesty thing. Just ends up sexualizing our girls. Yeah, completely. It's awful. And aren't you so, I mean, your kids are older than mine, but aren't you so glad that you don't have to worry about that? Oh my God. Like, I'm so glad that I, I have a daughter and I'm so glad that I just don't have to care what she wears. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, and who knows, maybe there will come a day where when she's older and she's a teenager that I'll feel like she's dressing too provocatively or 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 you know for the situation that she's in or whatever uh-huh. and then we'll have a separate conversation about okay you know clothing and the context you're in and you know if you're going to a job interview you want to dress a certain way or you oh, know whatever okay. I see you what know you're saying. Yeah. like like we can have separate conversations about about the way your clothing interacts in the world uh-huh. but like i don't have to worry about if she wants to go lay out on, you know, Mm-mm. in a bikini no. at the pool, I don't Mm-mm. have to worry about like, well, but should you be wearing a bikini? Right. Because, yeah, you should be if you oh want to be. Oh, my God. Yeah. I remember when I was, I want to say 17, and it was the summer in between junior and senior year of high school, and I had these denim cutoffs that, you know, I had cut off from a pair of jeans, and... I cut them really short, <clears throat> not like booty hanging out short by any means, not even close. Right, like probably mid thigh or like upper thigh. No, um, upper thigh. Yeah, definitely upper thigh. Right, and which is <clears throat> as we've discussed the appropriate the, length for shorts it to be. Is the appropriate length. So. And I had been, I think there was this, just on the corner from my house, there was a fireworks stand because it was July and I was wearing these shorts and I was with a friend and we're getting some fireworks and I saw my dad drive by on his way home from work. And then when I got home later, I didn't even say hello to my dad. I didn't get a chance to say hello to my dad before he laid into me about my shorts. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And it made me feel... Dirty. Right. Even though I didn't agree with him. Right. I felt objectified. Right. I felt dirty. Oh, and then when I was the primary president, and for those Mormons out there, you know about the yearly, excuse me, primary program. Right. Where all the children from ages 3 to 12-ish get up. Their songs, their little things they say into the microphone, and it takes an hour and a half-ish. So my mother came one year, because I I was primary president for two years, and one of the years she came to see the uh, primary program. It's always in October. And then also, you know, my kids were in it because they were all in the primary. And the first thing she told me afterwards that every time I would bend over to help one of the children, my cleavage was showing. Oh, jeez. And I went, oh, no, I'm going to get raped in the church house right, or right. something like that. And she was like, Ashley, that, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. Is that really what you said? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I love it. It didn't even fucking phase me at right, that point. Right. You know. Anyway, what's um, your number four? Well, first I want to <laughs> issue a correction to something I said before. Okay. Um, I use the word provocative to describe a way that my daughter might dress. Uh-huh. And then as I thought about that word, that word implies that her clothing would provoke some sort of reaction. Ooh. And I don't believe that. Okay. I don't believe that. I believe that we're all responsible for our own reactions and feelings. Yes. And that no one can wear something that provokes a reaction in you. Right. When it comes to sex and sexuality and stuff. Right. So I just want to erase the word provocative from that. Right. I really was trying to say... If she is dressing in something that I feel isn't doesn't work with the context in which she is, like a know, job, like interview. a job interview, yeah. or like if you know, or whatever. I, anyway, I appreciate the clarification, but I totally understand that that word has just become a way to describe slutty. It slutty just means slutty or, or clothes that show a lot of skin, right? And and. And it's and it's too bad. I just think and well, never mind. I we're we're running out of time, so I won't go down that path. My number four is that what we're on? Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> I don't know how I don't I don't know if this is something I should just be discussing with the therapist or if this is really I don't I don't really know how this informed my sexuality, but I grew up part of this I think was because I was I knew I was gay and I was so terrified of I was so terrified of connecting in any way with those feelings or emotions or anything like that. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so I grew up from the time I was, you know, went through puberty or whatever until the time that I was married with a complete lack and absence of sex or sexuality or sexual feelings in my life. I never masturbated as a child. What? Never. Oh my God. Never. Um, I never, I mean, obviously like I, you know, I dated quote unquote when I was in college and high school. So like I held hands with girls and I kissed a few girls, but it was never like there was never like a feeling behind it. You know, there was Ugh. never like a bodily feeling behind it. So I never had any, I, I went my entire young adult adolescence without any sort of connection at all to like sexual feelings of any sort. And I, and like I said, I think part of that was because I was so terrified that if I allowed myself to go down that path that somehow it would like unlock the big gay hell gates and right. I would be swallowed up into the gay world yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. <laughs> so I just lived my entire adolescence and teenage years like with a complete absence of like sex or sexual feelings or sexuality. So I have a Isn't that fun? Oh my God. Um, what, was ignorance bliss or... Would you would you not call it ignorance? I mean, what do you mean? Being completely void, having a complete void of the devoidness uh-huh. of, of 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 sexual feelings, desires, um, arousals. I don't know. It's really hard to say because I like obviously I would never recommend someone else do that, or I would never sure. want to go back to that. Yeah, but I think like <clears throat> it's what I felt like I had to do to like keep myself safe. Or something. Right. But then, kind of like you said, I entered into this marriage. Not only was I a virgin, you know, which obviously, but like I had never, I had never like intentionally ejaculated or I had never done anything to provide, like I had never done anything to incite sexual feelings in my own person, Uh whether it was masturbating or fantasizing or whatever yeah and so so then suddenly it's your wedding night and you're like okay let's go and like i had i was so naive to anything it's anything and everything and not that i didn't think about sex or not that i or whatever like I, i i you know i still had those thoughts but like just complete absence of any sort of connection to myself as a sexual person so i have a question yes when you would watch movies uh-huh. or TV shows would the Hollywood depiction of sex and passion confuse you? It would make me angry. <laughs> Tell me about that. I don't know. Like, oh! I haven't thought about that for years. It would make me yeah, it would make me angry. I think because like I think part of it is because I felt like it was something I could never have and so I'd be angry yes. that other people could have it and I couldn't. Yeah. I think I, I think I, there was part of me that thought it was like dirty, you know, or like inappropriate. Okay. And so I didn't think it needed to be seen. Part of that whole, like, be careful what media you choose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't like, I wasn't like, I don't remember being particularly like prudish or anything as a kid. Like, you know, I watched rated R movies and stuff when I oh. had friends that didn't, you know, oh, okay. but like anything that was particularly sex, sexual would kind of just make me mad. If if it was, especially if it was between, well, it was all between heterosexual. It was all between men and women because there was no. Right. Oh. There is no. There was none. There was one gay character on 90210, but you didn't see any him right. doing anything. I mean, I do think like there was, there was a time probably more like when I was in college, but before I was married, when I was, I was seeking out more. Like I remember I would get like the queerest folk DVDs from. Netflix and I would watch those in my room with the volume turned down really low. Yeah. So like, but I always said that it was just because I was really interested in like, in like acting and like, you know, (laughs) prestige television and stuff (laughs) that had nothing to do with the gay storylines. I had a similar experience when I was married 
um, because my own sexuality was so closeted. Um, just my heterosexuality, just my sexual being, my sexual self, I also had to shove in a closet because if I brought her out, it, I would be even more acutely and consciously aware of what you didn't have, of what I didn't have. Um, and so when I would see the passion, just even in a kiss in the Hollywood settings, um, sometimes I would feel angry. Mostly I would feel sad and, um, just, I think looking back now, there was a part of me that thought, at least I can feel that when I'm watching this movie. And that's the only way. Oh. <laughs> Do you want some Halo Top? <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> and we are back yo 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 this episode has been heavy and that's okay that's okay we're i don't know what i was gonna say <laughs> okay anyway you guys if you can't tell by listening to this episode i really need a therapist so if you have any good recommendations <laughs> and most of your send twitter them to our email. most of your twitter followers agree they do that's real <laughs> Oh, that's a whole other episode. Yeah. Me and therapy and why I'm not in therapy. Oh, anyway. I thought you meant you and Twitter. That would be fun. Oh, Lord. Um, so number five. Number five. Okay. And and I love this one. But my emancipation from the church meant being very open about sex in general, about my sexuality specifically, about my sexuality and talking to my kids about it. Mm -hmm. um, being casual about it. Right. But being not casual when needed, like telling my two teenage girls, oh, don't plan anything for Thursday because you're getting some IUDs yeah. put in you. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was the smartest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, uh, and I remember my mom visiting a couple of years ago and she made a comment in front of my kids. So, I mean, I, anyway, my mom. Uh, Save that for your other podcast. About, I know, about how I just left my vibrator out and visible with my bedroom door open. Uh, on this particular day. I can't believe your mom acknowledged the existence of your vibrator. Number one. That's and number two, in front of my kids. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's more about her, not about me. Sure. That she had to bring it up and had to bring it up in front of my kids. Where clearly, I'm fine with it. I'm casual about it. I don't freak out. I don't purposefully leave it out so that right. my kids can see... Look at mom's healthy sex life. Right, right. But I had happened to leave it out this one day. I usually put it away. Um, and she felt the need to call me out on it in front of my children. Um, which says more about her than it does about me, I think. But um, So I, I've been very casual with my kids about sex. In fact, one of my sons, and I won't say which one. Well, that's going to give it away. Because I have two sons, but only one has a penis. Because my other son is transgender. Okay. 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 So this story. So your son with a penis. Yes. <laughs> Grap. He, yeah. Damn, and his name's Gary, by the way. Gary. Um, <laughs> your son, Gary. <laughs> he told me a few months ago that there was this girl that he really liked. And I was like, oh, it's that girl that comes over to the house sometimes. And he's like, yeah. And he's kind of got this smile on his face, a little twinkle in his eye. And I was like, she kind of stays kind of late sometimes. And he said, yeah. And I said, okay. Um, and at the time, he was 15. 
He's now 16. Um, and uh, he said, and she comes over to play video games with me. She's one of those girls that really likes video games. And they were playing video games late one night, and they both had fallen asleep next to each other. And there was a moment where she, in her like half asleepness, held his hand. And he said, that, that made me really happy. And I said, so if she continues to come over, you'll eventually kiss and start making out. And if she's had experiences where my son has not or had not, I don't know now. He doesn't share it with me. Um, I was like, she might I just be prepared for this so you know if you're ready for this to happen. But she might want to suck your dick. <laughs> and I said it just like that. And he did this thing where he like had to look out the window because we're driving. He had to look out the window and nod at me. And uh, anyway, I'm like, which is completely fine and completely normal. But you need to decide if you're ready, A, for that to happen. If it's something you want to happen for the first time with this person. Um, and if you're okay with it being a spontaneous thing. Because if you're not, you need to be okay saying, I'm not ready for this. And that's about as serious as I get with sex with my kids. And then he just ladybird and like opened the door of the and, car just- <laughs> and just tucked and rolled out onto 4th South. <laughs> oh, yeah. And to this day, his arm does not function properly. <laughs> poor guy. Poor um, guy. Oh, my God. The ladybird reference was so great. So anyway, but the casualness about sex also... Um, applies to my own sexual activities. I got to a point where I had had a lot of sexual partners who were men and I had had a couple of threesomes and I had been with some married men. Um, and I was like, I really enjoy the exploration of this and the casualness of this. And I would like to explore sex with a woman. And so I did that. And, um, now I feel because of that freedom, I feel the freedom to let myself have a nice long break until I find something that's not just genitals bumping against each other, but something that's really passionate, connected, and it's something I can build on. The last relationship that I had and I use the term relationship loosely with a man and we had had sex multiple times it got better every time and I like that again but I don't want to throw it away on another broken man and that that I have mentioned before in other podcasts (laughs) broken men well your number five is very similar to my number five in that I think the way that Mormonism shaped my sexuality is that I I still view sex as a really big deal and I would like to not view it as such a big deal. I think I have some of what you have with your kids. Like I think it's easier for me to sort of talk to them about, and they're, they're younger, so we're not quite into like IUD stages or whatever. Not a whole lot younger. Right. And you only have the one daughter who won't need an IUD for many years. Right. Right. But like, but I just mean like we, you know, we're, having age-appropriate conversations about sex and sex- sexuality with them right. that are very that are very different than the kind of conversations I had about sex and sexuality growing up, obviously. Uh-huh. And there is sort of, like you said, a casualness to it of just like, yeah, like I also had one of my kids find a sex toy in the drawer next to my bed and ask me about it. And uh-huh. we had to have that conversation. And, and, it, and, and it was, it felt good to be able to have that conversation and not say, not have it be like, that is my private drawer and don't yeah. you ever open that and right. turn it into some big shame thing and instead just have it be like, well, that is a toy that grown-ups sometimes use <laughs> for pleasure and, you know, and, and that is my <laughs> private space. So I'd appreciate you not opening that drawer because, I, you know, that is – that that's my space and you shouldn't be in that drawer. Sure. But but you shouldn't be embarrassed that you saw it and, you you know, like it was just a very different kind of conversation. Yeah. But, um, but I think I still have a lot of those – like sex for me is, I mean, as we've said, sex is scary and traumatizing for me. So sex is never like a casual, easy, like thing for me. It's always still very emotionally charged. And I would like to get to the point where 
where it could be more casual and where it could be. And not to say that I necessarily want to like, you know, sleep with hundreds of men and, and whatever, but I would like to have the option to do that and to then just decide like, yeah, I want to, I want to have a hookup with this person and then do it and not have it be a big deal. Or, you know, this person, like, I don't want to just have a hookup. Like I want to get to know him first. You know, like I just want to be able to kind of decide in the moment what yeah. feels right in the moment. Sure. But right now it all still feels very kind of charged and emotional. And what does this mean? And, Oh, should I do this and blah blah blah? And anyway, so right. that's a whole other episode, right? That and that's therapy, a whole other therapy the session. Therapy yeah. yeah, that's a whole other therapy session. But uh-huh. yeah, but I think sex in religion is treated like such a huge, huge deal. It is, and it really doesn't need to be a, a big deal. And and you know, there's a whole cult. You know, the people who have studied cults have said when they find a way to control your sexuality. They can control everything else. Right. So, yeah, that's it's pretty pr- pretty much a very fundamental primary principle. And of it, and as it was in our cult. Yes. I just think I just think everyone should be able to let it for for everyone sex should be what they want it to be. If you want it to be this very um special thing that you only share with a few people, great. Then that's mm-hmm. what you should do. If you want it to be something that is casual and fun and that you share with a lot of people, great. Like, that's what you should do. So I just yeah. think you should just do what feels the most comfortable There's to you. There's no right or wrong. Yeah. It's so personal. Yeah. Just go with it. And as long as there's consent. Yeah. And no one's getting hurt. Yeah. Then everybody wins. Everybody wins. Well, we're back. It's, to, it's been a heavy episode. It has. So to wrap up, I'll just throw in that I have not had sex since August. And it is now March. I think I'm about the same. That's long for Maybe me. September. I used to say, just just a, a, a year ago, God, it's been two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't I've even have, literally a, never said have a relationship. Um, I was, I don't know who I was talking to. Oh, I was talking to my friend last Gary. night. Your friend my Gary. friend Gary, who has boobs and a vagina. Um, but it doesn't matter. Listen, don't Gary. gender Gary. I, I, Gary have sorry, yeah. whatever gender expression No Gary gender wants. norms. Um, anyway, I was telling her uh, that last January, so January of 2018, I had had sex with four different guys. In the month of January? And I completely forgot that. Yeah, four different guys, and uh, and then in February of last year, I thought I was falling in love with someone, and then that ended in September of last year, and thus ensued some pretty crazy depression. Right, and then not having sex since then. Right. Good times. And I don't think I'm depressed anymore. <laughs> You're not? No, but... There is a full moon combined with the spring equinox, and it is fucking me the fuck up. We were going to do an episode tonight about depression, but then I think (laughs) Sister Twain wisely decided that maybe... That maybe I'm too depressed and maybe she's too much on the upswing coming out of depression. (laughs) That if we sat around talking about our depression for a whole hour, it might trigger some things for both of us. Let's talk about it when we're happy, so maybe never. Maybe never. (laughs) We'll just talk about it when I'm cured of my depression. So our friends, our gentle listening friends, our gentle friendly listeners who who, who will listen to this episode. And And even if you're not a friend, if you're a stranger... If something about this episode, you're like, oh, I would love to hear more about that. And it's a specific, leave us a little message on Anchor or send it to hot dranks with an A for the belly at gmail.com. Or if you are friends with either of us on social media, you can just message us through there. Right. Um, We also, just a little housekeeping For some reason, this is not publishing on iTunes. We don't know why. But we're going to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out. We basically publish to Anchor, and then Anchor is in charge of publishing it it on all the other platforms. All the major platforms. So if you listen on Stitcher. Or Spotify. Yeah, definitely on Spotify, definitely on Stitcher, and some other ones I've never heard of. Yeah, but for Um, some reason, it's not publishing on iTunes, even though it did for a while, and then it just stopped. It did, and then it stopped. Um, But also, you can just, uh, I think when you click on it, 
click on the link like if we were to send it to you or if you were to what, what? if you were to drunkenly post it to twitter tonight and then delete it in the morning that would be weird that would be weird i know um but if you were to click on it from us sending it to you i think it just opens anchor in safari right and you just listen from there oh probably i think yeah, that's what happens know. so one of my cats is just really settling in on Aww. Sister Twain's twaint. Just really cozying up to her twaint. Well, Sister Twain, it's been fun talking about sex with you. It I was has. less embarrassed than I thought I was going to be, but more traumatized. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm fine. But suffici- I'm fine. Not, sufficiently sufficiently traumatized. Sufficiently traumatized. Sufficiently traumatized, but not as embarrassed. Yeah. Um, I would venture a guess that some of our formerly Mormon friends who listen to this might have some really fascinating fucked up sexual stories or thoughts that still linger with them. And I would love it if you shared it with us and we'll share it anonymously. Yeah, you can send it to an email. You can text us, as we often say. Right. Or there is a feature through the Anchor right, where you can, where leave, you can a leave a voicemail. Message. So you could, yeah. you could tell your own story and perhaps we'll play it on a future episode of Hot Drinks. Right. So this is where we have our signing out taglines. Oh, we don't have those. We yet, don't. Do we? Ha- no, we don't. But um. anyway, <laughs> that's all we've got. This is Brother Jack Coffee, and this is Sister Latter Day Twaint. Go have more consensual sex if that's what you want to do, and it With doesn't traumatize twaint. you. With your twaint, as long as you're not traumatized by it. No trauma and lots of lube. Lots of lube. Good night. Bye.